and welcome. Uh, today we're going to see, uh, as we get ready to start our Sunday school lesson today in Genesis chapter 37, we're going to go verses 2 through 11, verse 23, 24, 28, and we'll obviously cover some more within that chapter to give you the gist of the story. The name of the lesson is Bias Love, but before we get started, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I'm thankful we have this opportunity we come that we can pray and we can study your word and we can commune with you. We can allow your Holy Spirit to speak inside of us that we might be able to share the words that you've given us to speak. Lord, we recognize that it's a humbling thing to stand before your people in whatever medium that I need to do it in to proclaim the truth of your word. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities, but I also recognize the dangers that I might say something that's not acceptable unto you. So I pray, Lord, that every word I say, everything that comes out of my mouth, be acceptable in your sight, Lord, as we pray this prayer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so today uh, we're going to be studying about the life of Joseph and a little bit about Jacob and the family. It's kind of a, a family, you could say, that's in turmoil. Uh it's kind of a, uh, we could even say that there is parental abuse uh, because in the this is a form of favoritism. Favoritism in a family can cause, can be a form of parental abuse if you favor one child over another one so that there's envy and strife. Um, we'll also see how integrity can generate disfavor by those who lack it. You know, if you, if you have favor... If you do what's right and have integrity, those people that don't have integrity will resent you because you have integrity and they want to be able to do the things that they cannot do. Um, we'll see how God has a plan and, of course, how his plan, even though it may not be our plan, but in those cases, we still need to hold on for the ride that God gives us. So let's get started. Genesis chapter 37, beginning with verse 2. These are the generation of Jacob. Now, Jacob, let's talk about him a minute. Just a little bit of background on Jacob. You may remember that he was the younger twin born to Isaac and Rebekah. He was Isaac being the Abraham's son of the promise. Uh, you remember that Jacob stole his brother's birthright by feeding him a meal. And then with the aid of his mother, he deceived his father into giving him blessings that Isaac had planned to give to Esau, the older brother. Now they were twins, but there was a few minutes apart. So Jacob had to flee from Esau and he went to Haman, which is Rebekah's brother, and uh, stay there with him because of the fear that Esau was going to kill him. Now, while he was there with Haman, he uh, was working for Haman and things were blessed. He, uh, Haman was being blessed because of, of, of Jacob being there because Jacob was blessed of God. So he wanted to keep him around. And so, uh, uh, but at the same time, Jacob fell in love with his younger daughter, Rebecca, or Rachel, sorry, Rachel. So he asked, he said, look, I'll stay and work seven years for you if you let me marry your daughter, Rachel. 
with Astro Rachel. Rachel said, yeah, absolutely. I love him. I'd be glad to marry him. Well, then on the night of the wedding, old Haman did a switcheroo. And instead of we woke up in the morning, instead because you know, they had all these garbs all over their faith and everything, they didn't know who they were. So he woke up in the morning, he found that he was married to Leah and not Rachel. So he was highly upset when Haman said, that's okay, in our country there's a, uh, a requirement that we have to marry the older daughter. But if you agree to work seven more years for me, I will uh, let you marry uh, Rachel also. So he agreed and he ended up marrying. Well, after a while, uh, Haman kept seeing that everything that Jacob was doing was being blessed. And so he kept switching out the good for the bad. Anyway, long story short, Jacob decides it's time for him to get out, take his family with him and go back to his homeland where he was from and uh, get away from Haman. So he packs up everything and, and he takes them off. Well, while he's on that journey, of course, Haman comes, chases him down and said, you've stolen my stuff from me. And uh, again, another, trying to summarize as quick as possible, um, Haman didn't find what he was looking for and uh, ended up going back in peace. So um, during this time period, though, uh, while he was still in the house of uh, Haman, uh, Leah had had some children and Rachel could not. So Rachel gave her handmaid, Bila, to Jacob to be his wife. Now, the way this worked was any children that would be born of her handmaid would be counted as the children of Rachel because Rachel was barren. So he gave Bila, she gave Bila his, his, her handmaid to Jacob so that she could have children, and she did. Well, Leah, not to be, uh, uh, not to be undone or outdone, uh, did the same thing with her handmaid. She gave Zilpha her handmaid to Jacob so that he would have children for her that would count towards Leah's number. So eventually now, God finally opened up the womb of Rachel and she gave birth to Joseph. And eventually she had her second son, which was Benjamin, but unfortunately Rachel died in childbirth. So Israel and his family, you know, have fled from, they fled with his family and all, fled from Haman. Uh, as Haman ran after him, God warned him in a dream that to do Joseph no harm, so Haman couldn't do anything. And then Jacob heard that Esau was coming to greet him. Remember Esau, Esau was the one he cheated out of his birthright and his blessing. And he heard that Esau was coming to greet him, and so he was afraid and uh, that he still hated him. And during that time period, as he was turmoiling and praying to God, he had an experience. Some said he was inexperienced with, with an angel. Some said he had an experience with Jesus. Either way, he had an, an experience. And um, after this experience, he had actually wrestled all night long this spirit. And in the morning, God ended up changing his name from Jacob to Israel. And so now we have Israel and the children of Israel. Now, when Esau finally arrived to greet Jacob, he was no longer angry because, see, God had blessed Esau with great things. He said, brother, I am not angry with you anymore. God has blessed me beyond all measures. He said, I miss you. 
and therefore I came to see you because you're my brother. See, Jacob thought he was going to come do him harm, and he was not. Now, so Jacob goes back into the country, and um, Jacob was Israel, and he was a sojourner. He didn't possess any land. He just kind of moved. Remember, back then there was a lot of free land that was out there. Nobody actually owned the land. And so the herds kind of moved from place to place and asked, ate, ate grass and water where they were, and they moved around because uh, sheep ate a lot of grass. And so having said all of that, giving you all that background, now we can begin the chapter where he says, these are the generation of Jacob. So all that had happened. We also see in this chapter that Joseph and his relationship with his brothers, we're also going to see that Jacob and his failure as a father resulted in the failure that hatred was among his children. See, because of Jacob's failure as a father, because of his favoritisms, because of the way he did not treat people to his children fairly, they had became hated. Of, they hated Joseph. So every time you see Joseph, though, remember, every time you see Joseph, we see him doing the right thing. We don't recall him doing the wrong thing. So then it says, as we saw, it says, uh, uh, these are the generations of Jacob. And then he says, Joseph. So now we switch over to Joseph here. In the generation of Jacob, we're going to focus on Joseph. Now, Joseph is the eldest son of Rachel. So get that now. Benjamin, or Reuben, is the eldest son of Leah. All the others are subordinate to Leah. Now, Rachel had a handmaid who had children, but those children were not of the legal wife. Therefore, they didn't count as far as the, if you had a legal-born child, that legal-born male was the oldest child. So in this case, there was two legal wives, Leah, which had Reuben, and then there was Rachel, who had Joseph. So we also, and that's important to know, it said, now at this point in time of the story, Joseph was 17 years old. Now, in the days of being a man, back then, 12-year-old, 13-year-olds were considered men, and so he had been a man now for a number of years. Uh, at this particular point in time, Remember Joseph, Jacob, when Jacob gave, when Rachel gave birth to, when Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob was 91 years old. Now, Joseph, when Jacob went on to live to be 147, but at this point in time here now, remember Israel or Jacob was 108 years old. And it says, then Joseph was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Belah, and with the sons of Zelphar, his father's wives. So now we see that Joseph was tending his father's sheep with his half-brothers, the sons of the concubines, Belah and Zelphah, the concubine of Rachel, which was Belah, and the concubine of Zelphah, which was Leah's. Now, and we already talked about the uh, the children. The sons of Bela were Dan and Naphtali, and the sons of Zepha were Gad and Asher. And uh, 
these this made him different than his brothers, right? They were concubines, children that were of the father, <clears throat> and he was of Rachel, the beloved. And <clears throat> it says that Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. See, purity, integrity, and a desire to do the right thing at all times marked the life of Joseph. <clears throat> As you read the story, you kind of get the impression that this is the first time that Joseph had been sent out to work with these with his, these particular brothers. And what he saw them doing must have shocked him. This may have been Joseph's first exposure to the vile nature of his brothers. Now, his brothers were an evil bunch. Let me give you some examples. Simeon and Levi murdered an entire village of men over defiling their sister Diana. That's in Genesis chapter 34. <clears throat> Reuben who was the eldest under Leah, and again, keep that in mind, had a sexual relationship with Bela, one of his father's wives. So it's a form of incest. All of his brothers hated Joseph. All of his brothers envied Joseph. Some of his brothers sold Joseph into slavery, we'll learn later in this chapter. They planned and lied to their father about Joseph. And uh, then we also study in the story also tells of Judah, the tribe of Judah, the father of Judea, of Judah, which the tribe in which Jesus was born. He actually tried to cheat his daughter-in-law out of her legal rights to his son for children. See, he had his daughter, daughter-in-law was married to one of her sons, and he was an evil man and said, God took him. And then the man became betrothed. So then what happens is, in that case, when if your brother dies without your wife, his wife having any children, the brother uh, had children with that wife, and it was counted for that man's children. So it counted all the heritage. Well, they had a second son. Well, that second son had relationships with her, but wouldn't let her have children. And God ended up killing him. And so then Judah has another son that's a younger son, and he said, well, I can't give you him yet because he's too young. When he gets older, I'll give him to you. Well, when he got old enough, Judah didn't do it. So this daughter-in-law dressed herself up as a harlot and waited for Judah when they did the shearing of the sheep to come into town. And she uh, propositioned him. She had a robe on her, I mean, a, a, you know, a mask on her face. And she propositioned Judah. And Judah uh, ended up going in with her and laid with her and uh, got up in the, she got up in the morning and left, and, um, but she took his staff. And when he got up in the morning and figured out where he to pay her and asked, hey, where's the prostitute that was here? They said, we don't need prostitutes in this town. He said, well, fine, and that, I tried to pay her. Well, later on, she became pregnant. And when she became pregnant, then they said, uh, he, Judah was going to take and have her killed. And she said, hold on, this is whose staff of the father. And he showed her his staff. And he said, you are more righteous than me. And so he didn't kill her, and um, that's how that story went. The point was, <laughs> Judah was also a deceptive man. So we see Joseph's brother were not the finest lot of people. And so whatever it was that these men were doing, we don't know what they were doing, but these four guys did what they were doing was so repulsive that it shocked Joseph so much that he came and told Joseph, Jacob. Now, these, un, 
These undoubtedly caused problems between Joseph and the rest of his brothers because they thought him like a narc. You know, you're a tattletale, you're whatever. And this possible, it's possible that this at this point was beginning of the root of the bitterness in the hearts of their brothers toward Joseph. It's possible they already had that, thinking he was a goody two-shoes. Uh, some uh, authors of, of, of commentators, that is, accuse Joseph of being a tattleteller. Uh, you know, they believe that Joseph brought about the hatred of his brothers because he acted as a goody two-shoes. Uh, in reality, Joseph displayed absolute integrity going to his father with the evil report concerning his brothers. See, Joseph had a responsibility to his father. He was the master. He was the owner of the slave. He was the of the flock. He was the person whose reputation was out there when these guys went out there representing him. And um, so, thus it involved the name of Jacob in the good area. Remember, Jacob already got his name slandered when the two brothers went and killed the whole village. Uh, so, Jacob needed to know what was going on with his sons. So Joseph did do the right thing when he went and told Jacob and told him about the evil deeds of his brothers. Now there's a lesson we can learn from this first verse that every one of our lives should be marked by purity. You know, the God we serve is holy and he expects his people to be holy. 1 Peter 1.16 says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. See, he wants us to stand separate from the world and it's evil ways. He wants us to be different. We should be different in the ways we act, we talk, we think, we live. Purity should be the mark of quality of our lives. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 says, Therefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. You may also remember in our previous studies on the book of James, we kept talking about, remember, show you my faith. I'll, you show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. That someone who is a Christian doesn't live that way. We recently had a discussion in my household about whether uh, people can be saved or not. You know, the deal is if you're saved, you're not going to act the same way. Now, can you commit sins? We all continue to commit sins. Even Paul said, the things that I don't want to do, those are the things I do. And the things I want to do, those things I not do. Paul struggled with sin as long as we're on this flesh. But the deal was his desires was not to do the worldly things. His desires was always to do the right thing. When we sin, we have an advocate, the Bible says. Because it's not that if you sin, it's when you sin. So see, integrity is important for us. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. So then we see verse 3. We will pick up the pace a little bit, folks. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his brethren. See, the atmosphere in the home of Joseph wasn't so good, was it? It's interesting that, remember, Jacob grew up in a family just like this, where his father loved the brother Esau more than himself, and his mother loved him more than, than she did Esau. At least favored, if not loved. You know, can you love a child the same and favor them more? Can you favor a child and love the other one just as much? In a way, I think you can. Let me give you an example. Say, for example, you have a son who likes to go fishing. You like to go fishing, so you go fishing with him like spend a lot of time with him. That doesn't mean you don't love the daughter who doesn't want to go fishing. It just means you love doing spending time with them. It doesn't mean you love one better than another, but 
anyway, in this case here, they uh, uh, they said that they at least favored <clears throat> the other more than the one. This favoritism, we know in the life of, of Jacob and Esau, brought envy and strife and trouble into that home. Uh, Jacob's choice of Joseph in this situation meant more than just favoritism, though. See, Joseph showed his other sons that he intended to elevate Joseph above them. It appears Jacob had chosen Joseph to be the head of the household at his death. Uh, it says here in verse 3, because he was the son of his old age and he made him coats of many colors. This statement indicates two things. First part, it says because he was the son of his old age. This can refer to the fact that Jacob was 91 years old when Joseph was born before Rachel and had his first son that she had waited so long for. So it could be that, but also it could be translated instead of because he was son of his old age, it could be translated because he was a white head on young shoulders. See, Jacob saw wisdom. So it could be because he, instead of because he was the son of his old age, means he was a white head on his young shoulders. So Jacob saw the wisdom and strength of character in Joseph that was missing in all the rest of his children. Based on what we can see, it didn't take much to be that way. Uh, Jacob is 108 when these events take place. He did not know how much longer he would live, and he needed at least one of his sons to take over the family business when he died. Uh, his other sons have disqualified themselves. You know, Reuben, who was the oldest son of Leah, committed incest. Gad, the oldest son of Zephyr, handmaid, added to Leah's count. And Dan was the oldest of Bela, handmaid, added to Leah's count. But they were children of the concubines and not the legal wives. So Joseph was the oldest son of Rachel, the legal wife. And he had no outward sins. So really it came down between Reuben or Joseph. Well, Obviously, the father is not going to select the son who had a sexual relationship with one of his wives. <laughs> uh, so that dis disallowed him. So then we see the second part. It says, he made him, Jacob, made Joseph a coat of many colors. You know, we hear a song. There's a song that was sung many years ago by uh, Dolly Parton. My mama made me a coat of many colors that I wore every day. People made fun of her wearing that coat of many colors. Well, the word colors here is actually pasm, and it means the idea of soul or palm. It literally means a shirt with long sleeves. So he made him a shirt with long sleeves. So, okay? So the phrase actually refers to the length of the coat and not the color of it. So it may not add any other colors. It may just be a long sleeve shirt, a long sleeve coat. Um, the translation of many coats conveys the idea of embroidered or ornamental, thus expensive. So it was a nice long sleeve coat. It had ornaments on it or designs on it. Uh, the sleeves reached all the way to his hands, and the hem of his garment would have reached to the ankles. It was a big garment. Uh, it marked the wearer as a chieftain or as head of a clan. So he was wearing this. This was a this was the clan head of the 
the clan or head of their uh, their family's garb. So here he was wearing this thing that said he's in charge. You understand? Jacob gave him this mantle to wear saying he was the heir to all that Jacob had. Um, it was only worn by overseers and royalty and those who were who were were above doing work. It was worn by the heir. The exact phrase, by the way, this exact phrase describes a coat worn by Tamar, seemingly suggesting her virginity, which she ripped up after she was assaulted by Ammon. 2 Samuel 13, 18 says, And she had a garment of diverse colors upon her, for with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins appareled. So in other words, they wore these glorious long coats that covered their hands down to their ankles. And this is the same type of outfit that, um, that Joseph was wearing. Now, when Jacob gave this coat to Joseph, as we said, it identified him as his father's choice. It identified him as the superior son in the family. And the coat told the brothers, you don't report to Jacob any longer. You now work for Joseph. Now, this is a big deal to families in that time period. You know, the head of the house are literally held absolute life and death authority over the members of the family. You know, I mean, he could. He could have somebody killed, and it was not against the law. He controlled everything. When the brothers of Joseph saw him wearing that garment, they knew exactly where they stood in the pecking order with the family. They knew that Jake, Joseph, was going to be the one. And Joseph was the one that wasn't going to tolerate their behavior. He'd already proven that by telling the father. We're into verse 4. And when his brethren saw their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. See, Joseph carried himself well. He earned his respect of his father. You know, as time went on, the father gave him more and more responsibilities within the family because he proved he could be faithful. He could execute those things. He carried himself well and proved himself to be so trustworthy that his father appointed him to be heirs of the, uh, to be in charge of the family after he was gone. Remember, man is 108 years old. He had to find a replacement. Reuben disqualified himself. Jacob was the only other choice. Now, it says the brothers hated him. They could not speak peaceably about him. All the attention from Jacob toward Joseph created jealousy among his brothers. The word hated is a powerful word. It has the idea of a person or things that are so detested and despised with which one wishes to have no contact or relation. They did not want anything to do with Joseph. They could not stand even thinking of him, more or less seeing him or being with him. They despised him. Their jealousy and envy so much boiled up inside of them that they could not think it said even kindly of him. They wanted nothing to do with him at all. Uh, we get to verse 5. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told it to his brothers. God uses dreams to speak to men, to speak to men, to give them direction 
or conviction. Uh, we see in Job 33, 14 through 17. For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. In a dream, in a vision of night, when deep sleep falleth upon men and slumbering upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction, that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. Joel 2.28 says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. See, God had a message for Joseph concerning the future. It says, And he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. See, Joseph must not have known how his brothers felt about him, and he still loved them anyway. Uh, he shared his deepest secrets. His dreams are personal. As a result, instead of his brothers recognizing his dream showed that Joseph was going to be a great leader, they were jealous. They were jealous because it was not going to be them. See, the lust of the flesh, that sin was seen. John, 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. See, they were full of the lust of the flesh and they could not stand to think that Joseph was going to get something more than them. Verse 6 and 7. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. Joseph was excited to share the dream. You know, God had given him this dream and he wanted to share it with his brothers. Now, again, I believe that Joseph loved his brothers and his spirit, he didn't even sense that they hated him. His eyes were blinded because of his love for them. His eyes was blinded to their hatred. And thus he shared his innermost secrets, his dreams. It says, for behold, here's his dream. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheave arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheave stood around about and made obstinance to my sheaf. Now a sheaf is just a bundle of grain stalks laid lengthwise and tied together after reaping. And so this was clearly a symbolic dream. But the sheaves represented him and his brothers. The field represented the world in which they're living. Or it could mean the coming ability to feed the family, right? Because it could mean that the sheaves was who had the most ability. Who were going to look to to feed? When these sheaves were gone, who would they look to? That could be what it also meant. But it's clear from Joseph's position, whether it meant his position or his ability, that both would be superior to his brothers. And as such, it says, his brothers uh, will submit and accept Joseph's authority at that time. That's what the prophecy said. You will submit to me. I will be superior to you, and you will submit. So in verse 8, it says, And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? <laughs> Instead of his brothers receiving his dream with a, as a vision, they were angry. How dare you say you will be superior to us? You can hear the righteous indignation in their voice. It says that they hated him yet the more for his dreams, for his words. See, they hated him before 
Um, this just pours gas on the flames. You know, now they had not just hated him because he was their father's favorite, but also he was not going to go. So they hated him, number one, because of his father's favoritism. Number two, because he didn't go along with their evil deeds. And now because of the dreams and the way he told it. They just hate, 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 hate. It kept multiplying their hatred for him. So we see verse 9. And he, Joseph, dreamed yet another dream. And again he told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. He said, So let's look first. And he dreamed yet another dream. Remember, this is God's plan for Joseph. Joseph is not the creator of the dream, but God is. Joseph, God is giving Joseph these dreams for a purpose. It says that he told his brethren. You know, he should have shared his dreams with his loved ones. Joseph is not the problem in this story, folks. He's not bragging, but he's sharing. If we tell people great things that God has done for us, uh, you know, are we bragging about our blessings? Or are we praising God in front of others? Joseph was praising God Joseph was showing that God had a plan and that Jacob was going to be part of that plan. I mean, Joseph was going to be part of that plan. We see, he says, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars make opposites of me. So first time it was a bunch of wheat. It was about food, right? Now we see the sun and the stars and the moons. So in the second dream, he appears to be himself. And he says, 11 stars, which were his brothers, and the sun was his father, and the moon. Now, the moon was his mother. It could have been Bela, because she was obviously the handmaid of Rachel, and she could have took his place. Or it could have been Leah, you know, Rachel's, Rachel's mother. I mean, Leah, Joseph's mother. Because Leah, Joseph's mother, was deceased, it couldn't have been Rachel, but it could easily have been Leah, who was the legal chief wife, or it could have been Bela, which was the handmaid, which was Rachel's handmaid, and no doubt perhaps took over the two children to watch over them as the mother when Rachel died. Probably so. While Joseph's dream is not literally fulfilled, right, because Jacob, as far as we know, never recorded as actually bowing down to Joseph, in an essence... When the entire family became dependent on Joseph, the entire family, both all of them, became uh, uh, underneath Joseph. Joseph became the second in command in all of Egypt. And that means when Jacob, when Jacob came to Egypt, he was under the authority of his son Joseph, meeting the promise of this dream. Verse 10. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And to his and his father rebuked him. So he, first of all, he said he told it to his father and his brother. If God gives us a message to share, we must share it, folks. Even when it's difficult, you know, or others don't want to receive it in the manner that you had hoped. You still are obligated, if God gives you a message, to share it. This is so true today for preachers. Pastors need to stand before their congregations and proclaim the truth of God's word, even when it may get them fired. Even when it's not the words they want to hear, if it's the word God wants them to have, he needs to be the man of God to stand up and say it, regardless of the consequences. 
And we see the results here. It says, And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down yourself to thee in the earth? So his father rebuked him. First of all, he rebuked him out of ignorance. He didn't know what to say. <laughs> you know, what do I say to you? I don't understand what you're saying at all. This doesn't make sense to me. That's kind of strange because he is standing out to be in charge of all his brothers. And then because he has this dream, he says, I don't understand. But he also, his rebuke came from wisdom because he knew that this dream, if he didn't, if his brothers already hated him, now this dream was going to make his brothers even hate him more. So his daddy said, you shouldn't be telling that, son. If it's true, just keep it to yourself. See, Jacob understood the meaning of the dream, though. And so did his mother and brothers. They understood it. They just didn't like it. See, Joseph was telling them all that God had told him in his dreams that one day they would all rely on Joseph for their existence. They knew what he was saying, but they didn't want to hear it. Verse 11a. And his brethren envied him. Isn't it interesting? They gave him hatred to envy. Now, in those days, when you dream, a dream might have been confusing and not what one thought it was, but a second dream almost always ensured that it was going to happen. If someone dreamed a dream more than once, it gave power and more reputation or more authority to that dream, more validity to that dream. So this was the second dream that he had. And so now his brothers envied him. See, they became jealous of him and of his dreams. It appeared that they may not have liked them, but they indeed began to think that this was going to happen. And they could not allow Joseph to be over them. They said if they thought among themselves, we got to do something. Because if, if we don't do something, these dreams of, Jacob, of Joseph will come to pass. And we hate him. So they became envious of him. I would want to be. I want that. Why am I not being the one named? We see verse B. But it says his father observed these sayings. See, Jacob rebuked Joseph, but kept these thoughts in his mind. Jacob had dreamed a dream, and God fulfilled and was fulfilling the dream that he had lived. Remember, Jacob dreamed dreams. The stairway to heaven. Jake, Jacob saw that. And he knew that his dreams were being fulfilled. So he knew dreams were real. Jacob had selected Joseph to be the leader of the family and had not made any attempts to hide this from his brothers. So why was this dream confusing? It wasn't. Jacob's doubt was not in Joseph, but in his own decision. Did I do the right thing? Did I make the right decisions? Putting Joseph in charge. Look what they're going to do to him. Can he handle this? So he was going to wait, it says, and see before he decided whether or not this dream was real or not. He believed it could be. So he says he observed the sayings. Now we jump to uh, verse 23 and 24. Uh, <clears throat> it says, and it came to pass. Well, let me go by one before I read that verses. I'm going to give you a little bit of history of what happens between, because I don't think you can just jump in here. It says, Jacob had not heard from his sons in the field, his sons out in the field for several weeks. 
And as his practice was, he would send Joseph, who was in charge, right? Joseph, who was going to give him a good report, to check on him. And return home with his look. They didn't trust the other boys because he had to keep tab on them. So after searching for them, because evidently they weren't where they were supposed to be, and he found them. And so he goes to see them. Well, they see Joseph in his huge coat of many colors, you know, this coat, this long, long sleeve coat. They see him coming. They say, oh, here comes Joseph. And um, the brothers hated him with such hate, they decided, you know what, we're going to kill him when he gets here. We'll kill him when he gets into the camp. Now, Reuben, who is the eldest, the firstborn of Jacob, uh, from Leah, didn't want to kill Joseph, but he was afraid of his brothers if he was to take a stand and take Joseph's side. So we see in verses 21 through 22, Reuben heard it, it says, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. Talking about Jake, Joseph. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him. It says, Lay, lay no harm upon him. So he said, Look, here's a pit. Let's don't kill him. Let's just put him down the bottom of this pit, and he'll die in that pit, and then we won't be guilty of shedding blood. And his thought was, If I do that, then I can come back later, and I can rescue him out of the well and deliver him back to my father, because you know, it will destroy my father, who I love. So Reuben convinces them to take Joseph and place him in a dry well and leave him to die. Uh, it says then, now we go to this thing, and it came to pass. When Joseph was coming to the brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, out of his coat of many colors that were on him, and they took him and cast him into the pit. So they did exactly what they said they were going to do and agreed to do. So they grabbed Joseph, stripped him of his coat, they take him and cast him into a dry well and leave him for dead. Well, verse 28 is the next verse, the last verse of this, but we can't just jump to 28. Again, we've got to give you a little background. Before Reuben could free his brothers from the clutches, uh, for free his brother Joseph from the, his other brother's clutches, he had to... Uh, uh, he had to wait a while, and he was probably away from the camp tending to the sheep or whatever. And Judah, which we already know about, Judah, you know, what he did with, the, with his daughter-in-law, <laughs> sees these Midianites. And he says to the others, hey, you know what? Let's sell Joseph into slavery. Uh, his brothers may have felt bad about hearing Joseph's cry out of that pit, crying for help. This could be because they wanted to show Joseph who he was. Uh, they wanted to show Joseph who said he was going to be over them that now he himself would be lower than they are by being a slave. So they said, listen, you want to be that way? We'll make you a slave. We'll say you to be a slave. There's no way you can be in charge of us if we say off as a slave. Take that. Now, it probably wasn't for the money but does show the depravity of these brothers that they sell their own flesh into slavery. You imagine Joseph, unsuspecting openness of brotherly affection, and wonder how in the world could they treat him like that? How astonished and terrified he must have been as his own brothers took his coat and threw him into a pit to die. You know, what do you think he thought as they sold him to strangers never to be seen nor part of his family again, as far as they were concerned. You know, I can't leave the lesson here. 
The remaining verses of the chapter tell the rest of the story. Let's just read it. And Reuben returned into the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit. And he rent his clothes, and he returned unto his brethren, and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat, and killed a kid of goats, and dripped the coat in blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father, and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it, and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt. He rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son and mourned for his son many days. And all his son and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go now into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites, it says, sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard. See, today we've seen the dysfunctional family of Jacob. We've seen the character of Joseph and his brothers, or lack thereof. We've seen that God has a plan, and his plan is always fulfilled. We've seen the tragedy in the life of Joseph. But what man attempt to do for harm, God can take and work his will for our own good. See, in next week's lesson, we're going to continue the story of Joseph. You know, how God is going to use him to prepare a way to save his people, even when they do not know that they needed to be saved. God had prepared a way for us, even when we didn't know we needed it. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, if you need a savior today, he has prepared the way. You just need to find it. I pray that today you find the way that God has prepared for your salvation. And we'll study next week a little more how God is preparing Joseph through his trials to save his people as an example or as, a, as an example of, of Jesus in the Old Testament. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity. We can come to you and study your word. I pray, Lord, you'd help us to understand the, 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 the situation with Joseph and how Joseph did not complain. Joseph did what he's supposed to do. He recognized, Lord, that you had a plan. He saw this in a dream. He did not know how to go from point A to point C. He did not know point B was going to be slavery and prison. But, Lord, you did. And he was faithful to the end just like you, Lord, are faithful to us. I thank you, Lord, that you prepared a way for me. I pray for those that might be listening. If they don't know the way, that today they might find the way. For you said, Lord, you are the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by you. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your time and for your attention.